Jet Set Go. Jet Set Go. Mapping destinations. Okay, right after some more destinations opening up in Canada, such as Montreal recently for Emirates Airline, a big partnership agreement that we'll now see Air Canada operating from Terminal 3. Now, I know some flights of Fly Dubai used to operate from Terminal 3. They fly to long-haul destinations and more passengers and, and and a premium service was being offered to those particular destinations. But to have a completely different airline... Yeah operating from terminal three is big news now this is no joke and you know you can think about it strategically because you've got passengers flying in from canada traveling 16 to 17 hours long destination and then they want to travel to let's say india pakistan australia wherever they or wherever they're flying off to uh, on the eastern front so the last thing you want to tell them is, hey, you've landed on Air Canada. Welcome to the UAE. You've got to take a bus from Terminal 1 to Terminal 3 and then fly you know, fly off. But now you've got the whole Emirates network given to them at Terminal 3. I think it's a big, big strategy in play. Now, a lot of people will question saying, all right, so why not Australia? Why wasn't Qantas given that service, for example? But Qantas is already using Emirates tickets. So you, there's the, there's a code share agreement where you buy Qantas tickets, but you fly Emirates. And then you can travel to London or wherever you want to go, New York or or, or Washington, or wherever you're flying off to on, a, on, a, on an Emirates uh, flight. So big news, Air Canada being the first non-UAE carrier operating from Terminal 3. Yeah, and it's, it is massive news because when you say Terminal 3, everyone's, okay, Emirates, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so to not only have you were saying about Fly Dubai that that Fly Dubai is an internal airline, yeah. Um, it, 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 as such, going for for an international one from another country is a massive, massive uh, uh, surprise, really. Uh, but they're really saying that it's they're hoping it's going to further enhance travel experiences and uh, offer even more convenient connectivity for travelers because. In terms of the Canadian population, it's quite prominent over here in the UAE with over 40,000 residents calling the UAE home. So to them, this is uh, incredible news, having that ease of travel to get Mm. back home. Absolutely. And, um, you know, Air Canada happens to be, you know, um, Canada's largest airline and the country's uh, flag carrier and also founding member of Star Alliance, which is the world's most comprehensive air transportation network and it provides scheduled service directly to more than 180 airports in Canada itself and the United States and also internationally on six different continents so it, and it, do, it does hold also a four-star ranking from Skytrax as well um, now looking at UAE it's just a fun fact here mm. and we talked about this before but it just always seems to amaze me that this fact is there um, UAE is strategically located within four hours of flight radius of approximately one third of the world's population. Wow. Yes. And so that's why its location between the east and the, the west yep. has set it up mm. perfectly to be an international travel hub. Um, and that's why actually, uh, you know, the, the Dubai is actually ranked as the fourth most visited city in the world because of the location. Dubai International Airport is the busiest airport in the world outside of the USA. and was also named as the world's best airport at the 2021 Business Traveler Middle East uh, Award. So that is just something, a proud moment to take back for people here 
in the UAE. But looking at other airlines as well, uh, Etihad's A380 uh, Super Jumbos are also finally back in the air. 40 mm-hmm. months since the airline grounded the world's largest passenger plane due to the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. It actually marks the return of the Abu Dhabi to London services on the popular Etihad Super Jumbo, which is the only route that the airline currently plans to operate via, of course, the double-decker jet. A statement released from Antonoado Neves, the chief executive of Etihad Airways, states that we're excited to once again welcome guests on board Etihad's A380s. Yeah, it's good news uh, because look, it's it's not a, a, a cheap aircraft to operate. Um, the it is expect it is believed, as per latest reports, that the cost of maintaining an A380 is 2.5 million dollars per year. So it doesn't come cheap. And when you buy it, it doesn't come cheap either. But the maintenance, and of course, uh, to 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 use it in, in other big destinations, it, it does come at a cost, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, I think A380 have have always been a, a key uh, strategy for an airline. But now, as soon as as soon as they see their passenger base grow and the demand grow, and of course, London Heathrow has a massive demand in the summers. Even if you're flying from London to the UAE, you barely get seats. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. And then if you've got more offering of more passengers being able to carry it on a, on a single jet, it makes sense. And it comes at a very strategic time. So kudos to the team at Etihad. And um, you know, I, I, I personally know some media people from media, uh, people from the media team of Etihad. And they were overjoyed sharing the excitement on their Insta stories. Being excited to see their aircraft back on the, uh, back on the uh, tarmac and uh, you know, flying over to London and then snapping those journeys away. So shout out to the team at Etihad Airways. Uh, So overall, very positive news to take back from the UAE Aviation this morning. Yeah, and with more um, of these A380s in the air, it actually frees up their use of the Boeing um, aircrafts for other flights, increasing their frequency as well. So it does go down to, it always comes down to the consumer and it just seems uh, like we're really, really looked after in terms of travel over here. I just want to give a quick appreciation to, uh, you know, how well the UAE have done for not only um, uh, allowing people to travel in and, and, and people using the UAE as that transit between the east and the west, but, you know, retaining those customers because a lot of people... Um, they travel in and they might stop over for an hour or two and get that connection flight. Mm. The UAE is so such an attractive hub that people now people stay. This is where they're having their holiday, um, and it is it's incredible to see. Definitely, exactly. You know, it's, it's all lots of positive news to take back and see to celebrate the attractiveness. Even through Sharjah International Airport, we've seen oh, yeah. the, the big expansion taking place. Those passenger numbers for H1 looking very positive as well. Lots to celebrate here on the program. But in terms of celebrations, we've also got the business updates to celebrate and discuss so we'll quickly move on to that and we'll be back again right after that continuing the conversation here on the morning majlis it's the morning majlis this is the morning majlis show and the international monetary fund has marginally raised its forecast for the global economy for this year and the next, but also has said it's unfortunately not out of the woods yet due to headwinds that persist, even though the recovery is on track. Now, why have they said this? Why are they raising the forecast? Well, COVID-19 has been declared officially over. The supply chain disruptions are returning to pre-pandemic levels. 
Global inflation is still elevated but receding while the March banking turmoil in the US and Switzerland is contained. And of course, strong economic activity in the first quarter has been described as resilient. Now, as a result of the this, the fund resi- uh, revised the earlier forecast for this year's upwards, uh, raising it by uh, 0.2 percentage points to 3%, although lower than the 3.5% expansion recorded back in 2022, uh, it is projecting a similar pace of uh, a pace of growth in the next year 2024 as well. Now, the projected growth rates are weak uh, by historical standards, but as advanced economies actually decelerate to 1.5% this year from 2.7% last year, um, we are p- expected to remain subdued, uh, expanding at a 1.4% in the following year. Uh, regarding the US, which is of course the biggest in the group, uh, it's forecast to grow 1.8% in 2023 instead of 1.6% pr- as previously projected with the estimate lowering to 2.1% expansion recorded last year as well. Well, the IMF also highlighted concerns with uh, tighter credit conditions, depleted household savings in the U.S., and also a much shallower than expected economic recovery in China from the lockdowns that happened over uh, there. Um, But yeah, looking at the U.S., which happens to be the world's largest economy, it's set to grow 1.8% this year and 1% uh, 1 in uh, the next year, according to the IMF. In China, GDP is seen falling from 5.2% this year to 4.5% for next year. Now, among Europe's major economies, Germany is the only one where the IMF has actually cut its growth expectations for this year. Um, The fund also sees that the German economy is contracting by about 0.3% this year. And that happens to be a reduction of about 0.2 percentage point from April's forecast. And this is due to the weaker manufacturing output and lower uh, growth performance during the first quarter of this year, according to the IMF. And data released uh, yesterday also showed uh, business activity shrinking at a much faster pace than expected in July across the Eurozone as a whole. But in Germany in particular, the data pointed to an economic contraction with manufacturing uh, production levels dropping for the third month in a row and at the fastest pace since 2020. Yeah, it's worrying, isn't it? Now, we've also got all eyes will be on um, the uh, on the Wednesday meeting or today mm-hmm. meeting of the Federal Reserve and those uh, decisions surrounding the interest rates and how the markets are going to be reacting. So that's going to be a key uh, area of focus. And of course, a lot of thoughts will be surrounding what next? What happens? Um, is this the last little uh, increase that the Federal Reserve is planning? Uh, what happens after that? That's going to be a big question as well. Now, coming back to the Middle East and, and, and this region, what the IMF has been saying, the Middle East and Central Asia are forecast to slow to 2.5% instead of the 2.9% expansion previously expected. Saudi Arabia is forecast to grow by 1.9% this year, and that is instead of the 3.1% as previously projected. Growth in the kingdom is expected to pick up to 2.8% in 2024. Um, oil prices have been hovering quite uh, around the $70 mark, and of course we here in the UAE will also be looking at the oil prices in greater detail because at the moment uh, Brent crude is trading at around $83 a barrel, which is quite, I'd say, 
fairly high compared to the levels we saw towards the end of last month. So that effectively means we will pay more for fuel in August. So mm. it looks like there is going to be an increase. So don't be surprised uh, <laughs> when you see your um, weekly basket increasing in terms of the cost uh, because we decide on the fuel prices for the next month based on the figure towards the end of the ongoing month. Uh, so we might get a bit of an August surprise. Oof. Oh, gosh, there there you have it from Abdul yeah. Karim himself. Well, uh, regarding the Federal Reserve's um, uh, conversations ha- occurring today regarding the interest rates, we will, of course, keep you updated uh, here on the Morning Match List show. So make sure to tune in tomorrow where I'm sure that will be a hot topic. Stay with us here, though, where I'm going to be giving you a traffic update right after some musical entertainment.